You know, I don't think I've ever had anchovies on pizza. Really? I've never consciously <laughs> eaten an anchovy on a pizza. <laughs> so I, I can't form an opinion on But like sardines in a can are good. Have you had those like the nope. old ones? Okay. Is, aren't those very Korean? I don't know. Hello, everyone. Welcome to number two podcast. Okay. I'm, I don't want to say number two podcast. Welcome to podcast number two um, of the un episode two. All right. Hey, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the currently untitled podcast. Today, we have the wonderful John Co with us today. Hi, John. Yeah. Hi, Eric. Uh, my name is John Co. I am 24 years old and I started attending CCPC uh, the summer of 2016. So that was around six years ago, I guess. And at that time, I was a, I had just graduated high school. So it was the summer right before I went into college. Um, so the next four years, I was in and out of CCPC uh, going to school, but I came back, graduated, and have been plugged into CCPC. And it's been a great time ever since. I'm excited to be here on this podcast. So thank you, Eric, for inviting me. Oh, let's get, let's ask your opinion on the names of our podcast. So we're thinking between a couple one is the B-sides. Is it B-side or B-sides? B-side. So like a vinyl, like, you know, as a B-side. Getting to know the people of CCPC better in a more, like, non-conventional way. Not, um, or, I mean, we're thinking, like, the fo foyer or the lobby. We're kind of pushing away from those because it gets a little stressful for a lot of people. And that, that many people. And this isn't really like that. This is more like a one-on-one -on -one coffee date kind of thing. So, yeah, I know you're blessed to go on a date with me, John. But, you know... But we are open. To, do you have any other suggestions or do you want to yeah, jump off those? I don't know. Uh, the B-side one's interesting. It's just like it doesn't seem to connect in like another like layer. You know what I mean? It's just like what the the vinyl reference. It's not like connected to somehow like CCPC or church or like the membership. It's just like it's just kind of a one dimensional title. Right. And I feel like titles kind of are supposed to be a little more multifaceted you know it's like oh it's kind of clever because it makes sense this way but also it kind of like you know makes sense with the meaning this way i think those are the the titles that kind of always stick with me the most is when they kind of have more meanings to them you know if somehow there's an op like a b-side of a pulpit and we had the same name of that something like that sense. exactly or like b-side or like it's like a pun of like beside like side by side you know ccm side b-side i don't know that, that might be getting a little too much into you know but i, I always like meta. titles that have a double double meaning to them you know yeah that makes sense i think we'll probably work on that a little bit for now we are currently the untitled podcast can my episode be like a, a premium episode you gotta pay to access like free patreon like you donate five you get these extra hidden episodes well you you can get the loyal subscribers. exactly yeah and people hey people will be like hey what's john co gotta say like i want to know about that. or they don't because like uh, they don't care about me so john yes i've noticed that all you wear is retreat shirts and church shirts you own Shirts beyond things that you got for free. I do. Are you sure? Yes. What is your most purchased store for apparel? <laughs> Wherever my mom gets my <laughs> shirt. Wow, that was too honest. You could have just lied. <laughs> I'm not, not a liar. We fact check these. I'm things. not a liar. I'm not a liar. Hey, but free T-shirts are basically. I mean, why not wear them? They're free. They're a shirt. You're not wrong. I wasn't part of enough ministries to like get any. I think I had like one that I got when I first got to college, and after that. It was just all things that I bought, and I'm sad. All right, another random preamble 
icebreaker question. Do you have any random service ideas for CCPC that you could think of? That nope. you would? <laughs> no. Okay. That's, that's, you know, that's an answer. And then we just move on <laughs> no, after that. Just, service ideas? That one's like, tough. Okay. So in your part of welcoming team, what is one random thing you, like one random idea that you've had for the ministry that you don't know if it would work, but it's just something you thought about? Oh, that's interesting. I think being on welcoming ministry, there's not a lot that goes on per se on a week to week basis. Um, I mean, you just say hi to the people that are already members or if they're new, you check in there, the new people into the system. Swen and I, we usually serve together on that welcoming ministry. We try to sometimes add a little more flair to it. We started, you know, coordinating outfits as part of something more that we can do to kind of make it a little more interesting or special. But I think uh, we do want that to translate, uh, the efforts to translate into more interactions. I think that's what I've wanted to do more of, especially in terms of welcoming ministry, something that kind of brings them into a conversation. You know, we invite them back for the welcome ministry, but usually they pick up their gifts and sometimes they're on their way out. So be able to interact with them in a better setting, I think is something that could be explored. There you go. Perfect. Can I swear on this podcast? You could actually. I think I'll bleep it out. Yeah. The only person who will get flack for that is probably me. So if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Oh okay. yeah, we're not going to. We're, we're, this is raw. We're, raw. B-sides raw. Raw. B-sides yeah. are raw. You have sure. to pay another two dollars for this version yeah, this too. Is the, un- the uncensored one is premium content. John, do you have a hot take? Sure. I think a controversial thing that I do is that when I watch Netflix shows or dramas, I love putting them on 1.25 or 1.5 speed. Same goes for podcasts. Uh, I think just there's so much downtime or emptiness that it can really be sped up and you don't lose anything the story can go on you can get everything and people complain about like i'm missing the pacing or the direction of everything and sure i understand that but i'm also just trying to figure out what happens in the show you know that's mainly if it's entertainment for me you know i'm just trying to get entertained and i'm not trying to wait these empty silences i'm trying to get entertained right now you better not be watching our podcast at 1.5 speed. We get we, we get the stat- statistics for that one. But um, I mean, that, that makes sense to me. At the same time, at, at what point are you just reading a book? Uh, it's a little different from reading a book because you're not reading. I feel like that's the biggest barrier to reading a book versus watching a show is the mental strain and effort it takes to look at words on a page versus just consuming with your eyes almost. So and, and I don't know, my eyes work. They seem to work well enough where I can process the information in whatever speed I'm watching it at. Sometimes, you know, if there's kind of like a romantic scene and I want to kind of get the full feel of it, I'll slow it down. Sure. I'll, I'll try to take it in, you know, appreciate a direction, whatever it might be. But, you know, for most part, if it's just, I'm just trying to figure out the plot, I'll speed it up. And I, and I, I like to know all the little details so I don't skip around. I, I, that's one thing. I don't know how people skip around during shows. That's something I don't agree with. But speeding them up, I'm still able to catch all the little details here and there most of the time. And I'm um, during the important parts, you know, I will slow it down if I if I miss something here and there. So if you're are you always watching it or are you kind of watching Netflix on the side? Well, I guess it depends on how much the drama or the show has, has captured my attention, whether I'm watching it on the side or from actively watching it. But no dividing line. It's just whatever I want to watch something. If I feel like it's moving slowly, I'll watch it at a faster speed. If I feel like it's going at an all right pace, you know, sometimes I won't speed it up. So it's not like 100%. I always speed it up. It's just that when I want to, I won't be opposed to doing it. Have you had a favorite show in the, that you've watched in the past year or so? The past year, man. That, that's interesting. I, I do watch, you know, a lot of Korean dramas for myself. 
Um, I didn't used to actually. It started kind of once COVID hit, or actually a little before COVID. I had a lot of free time on my hands, so I was like, what can I do? And I saw that Netflix was producing a lot of these new Korean dramas, and me being Korean, um, I'm not the best at Korean, but they always have subtitles, so it's always kind of nice connecting back, I guess, seeing uh, Korean culture through dramas and just being entertained by them. And it's also something, it's kind of like a social topic as well, you know, that's also why I enjoy um, watching these shows, because I can go to someone else and be like, hey, did you watch that new episode? Do you remember that one part in that show? Wasn't that funny? So I do enjoy watching shows. If I had to choose a favorite one, man, that, that's tough. I do have to think about that more. But there's a recent one. It was called A Business Proposal. I just finished up. I know that's been popular. Uh, I did enjoy watching that. It was nice and short, 12 episodes. And the thing about Korean dramas is that usually they're a season a season long because, uh, you know, American shows, they can drag on for seasons and seasons. But Korean shows and dramas, usually a season long, so very digestible. And so Business Proposal is just a lighthearted, funny drama. I don't usually like anything too intense or too deep, so it was just right up my alley. I enjoyed that show. And, you know, great soundtrack. I enjoyed listening to it, too. I've actually never watched a Korean drama in my entire life. Oh, man, Eric, you are missing out, man. I, I can <laughs> I can show you some. I don't really yeah. watch TV anyway, so it's kind of my thing. But, I mean, it seems like they're, they're pretty great, and I, I hear really good things about them. So maybe I'll give it a shot. One thing about John, and I'm just going to say this, is I, I think you have a ton of hobbies, and more so than that, I think you're, you've put a lot of effort into being pretty good at those hobbies. You don't pick anything up unless you kind of devote some level of effort into them. I mean, it's not just something that you do only for fun, right? So uh, off the top of my head, you play guitar. You, you're very musical. You know, you, you play video games pretty well, um, spike ball pretty well. Um, where do you think this kind of uh, drive to do well at these hobbies comes from, if, if at all? I think I do agree. I have somewhat of a addictive personality in that when I start something, I will try to finish it through or I'll spend hours and hours. If I start like a new project, uh, I will spend a lot of time into it at the very start. Just try to really go 100% at it until it's somewhat finished or I lose interest. It's one of the two. You know, it's it, I really go into it head first. And I don't know exactly the reason for that is I think it's just because when I have a vision for something or I want to accomplish something, I think I just like to see the end goal of that. Because I think one thing about, let's say, for music is that, you know, at first a song, when you listen to it, it might seem too hard. But you realize that, you know, through practice and practice, eventually you will get to a certain point where you can produce, you know, a certain level that you're able to. And so I think that's also something that uh, I've seen that kind of pushes me forward more and more. Um, knowing that every single little step that I do is going to have a consequence that I can benefit from. And I don't know if it's like a pride thing, but I also try not to pick up things that I know I'm not great at. You know, I will say I'm not the most athletic person. So I don't, you know, go out of my way to play all these sports unless, you know, a friend asked me to like play a small game. I'll try to, but I never really enjoy it um, as much because, you know, I'm, I'm not as good at it. Do you have an example of your own failure? Actually, it seems like you you have tried stuff and you you know kind of dropped it after a little bit. I mean, in middle school and high school, I tried a lot of things. I think maybe it was that idea of you know doing all these extracurriculars for college applications or whatever it may be. But people were surprised to hear that I was in a football league once. I did organized basketball at a time. I am surprised. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't you <laughs> be surprised? You know, I was on my school's uh, soccer team. You know, like all these different things that I did and I was, you know, I committed to them for a little bit 
And maybe just because I didn't have the drive for it or it just didn't click with my interests as much that I never really got good at. And eventually I just ended up, you know, not doing that. I just noticed that most of the things I said, I deal with like sports or athletic stuff. So maybe that's also (laughs) the reason why I didn't keep up with them is maybe because I'm not as uh, athletically gifted as some of my peers out there. So at the same time there, even even though you're saying you're not great at athletic stuff, I know you've been really... Uh, interested in working out in in in, in, <laughs> in general so do you think that's different is, is that like because it's like a solo thing or because you, you seem pretty pretty diligent from what i i, I could see <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what i was expecting from this podcast i guess i i don't this kind of really hit me out of the blue but um for people that don't know what i look like i'm not a very he's built <laughs> <laughs> Eric is just building contradictions for himself, <laughs> but um, I do uh, work out not as much as some other people, but I try to be as consistent as you know I'm able to be disciplined. And you know I think you hit it in that it's more of a solo activity. You know you're kind of putting in effort for it yourself. You're not um, relied upon by you know let's say like teammates or other people. So I think that's something that um, is said. But that being said, I'm not the most disciplined. Uh, gym goer actually i have a, a home gym is where i i work out um you know but the problem with that is that when you don't have you know the societal pressure of people watching you work out uh, i go in i go on my phone and then you know 30 minutes passes without me doing anything and then i'm like oh that was a good workout and i'll leave and i'll be like i didn't really accomplish anything there so i guess there's pros and cons of that so just so you know i also have no idea what i'm doing so we're here in good company here but um Going towards our, our main line of questioning today, actually, uh, I actually want to talk to you about your kind of transition from college to postgrad and your kind of everything in between. Um, just a little bit of introduction onto your college experience. So do you, do you, would you really mind um, just sharing how you were involved in the church and ministry in college? So I attended the University of Virginia from uh, fall of 2016 all the way up until I graduated in the spring of 2020. And so I was at the University of Virginia. It was an in-state school. It's about two hours uh, down in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's a two-hour drive. And so not too far from home. But basically, for all four years I was in college, I was pretty plugged into our uh, Asian American uh, Christian Fellowship. It's called Grace Christian Fellowship. Mm -hmm. Um, There's kind of a lot of people at our church who also came out of that program. And so that was kind of my my four years. That was kind of my the bubble I was in, as as we can call it. Uh, the GCF bubble. Uh, that was what I was kind of invested into for four years. And I mean, it was pretty much my whole kind of outlook in college. It was my social circles. It was my religious circle. It was my, you know, it was everything, everything I did. I lived with people from GCF. Mm-hmm. I did life with people from GCF. You know, I, you know, ate with people from, everything was with people from GCF. So it was, you know, I felt really plugged in and so because I was so plugged in, it kind of naturally led to me being more involved within the fellowship itself. And that also led to different kind of serving opportunities wherever I felt like my skill set and wherever I felt like I was called to kind of uh, lead or serve in certain areas. So sure. I served in various capacities uh, for Grace Christian Fellowship. And from, you know, I that I led a small group one year. Um, I was a large group coordinator, which kind of I organized the big fellowship events or the big gatherings, social gatherings that our fellowship would organize across campus. And so that was kind of the things that we did. And obviously those also had their various responsibilities, but that also took up uh, a good portion of my later years in college as well. 
what pros and cons you think came out of you being so heavily in involved in your ministry? I think the main con that I can imagine is that I limited my access to diverse viewpoints. Mm. Um, it was an Asian American fellowship. Uh, the majority of the fellowship was made up of people from Northern Virginia, where I'm from. And so it was kind of a, um, a lot of, it was kind of a homogenous culture in that sense. So a lot of people kind of had the, a little bit of the same outlooks in these certain places. And while I was able to interact with people, you know, outside GCF, whether in classes or different extracurricular activities that I would do, I would always come back and, you know, majority of my viewpoint was shaped by the people that I surrounded myself with, which was the people within GCF. So I think that was the main con and that I didn't, I wasn't exposed to as many um, diverse viewpoints Culture, yeah. and cultures sure. mm -hmm. or whatever it could be um, during college. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think because I was invested so heavily into this bubble, you know, I gained relationships that I think will last a lifetime. You right. know, I found brothers there that I lived with there um, and I was interacted with there and just doing life together and just, you know, for four years or however long uh, we've known each other for now, it's just kind of builds a different type of depth, I think, to a relationship. Um, and I think they were just able to uh, just find ways that we're able to relate to each other that if we hadn't spent as much time in each other, if we hadn't gone a hundred percent into each other, it would be harder to find those uh, points that we could connect with and relate to. And, you know, whatever through the thick and thin, we you know we've been through it for four years. It's kind of, it's kind of been robust through all that. It's kind of been built up through all that. So I think it can also stand um, a longer test of time as we've graduated and we've still connected um, and we still interact today. Kind of bringing that into post-grad life, do you, how do you think your time in GCF has affected you up, up till now? I th definitely think it does affect kind of the way that people act with each other, um, especially the people that have also graduated from the bubble. Uh, we kind of all, you know, we bounce, we ping pong off each other in our conversation, in our jokes. And from someone that's outside looking in, they could be completely confused at what's going on, but we would completely understand each other. So I think the danger there is that even after you graduate from the bubble, uh, you're still you could still be in that bubble and it's hard to kind of break from that, whether because you're scared of change or you're scared of not being accepted somewhere else. I think it's really easy to continue to fall back into that bubble and not try to push yourself out further. Have you thought of any ways that of yourself mitigating that going forward or, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? Maybe uh, one thing that I will say about myself is that I am very shy when it comes to new situations. Um, Eric knew me when I first joined CC, uh, PC, I got plugged into the college ministry there. And for me, coming from a different church, this was a completely new experience. A bunch of new people that I had no idea who they were. I was in a completely new environment and I was a complete hermit. I did not really say a word. I think the first event I went to was some CCM bowling event. And I don't think I said a single word. There were some brothers that tried to talk to me about what laptop to buy for college. And that was basically the extent of our conversations. And I just remember I went home that night and I was like, oh, that was so awkward. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel like I could break out of my shell there. And so I think knowing how I feel in those situations and knowing that I've been so um, fortunate to be in this kind of, I'll say bubble as more of a positive context, a bubble of people where I feel really comfortable in. I think I really uh, see the value in trying to bring people into this, this environment that we're in, especially for people that are on the outside 
looking in. And so I think that's actually one of the things that made me join Welcome Ministry, uh, because I see these people that are maybe coming from the outside and are just really have this desire to make sure that they are able to find community, a Christian community, uh, you know, if not at CCPC, you know, somewhere else, that they can find a community somewhere and that they do feel like they have someone that they can, you know, talk to or be an avenue to hopefully find that community somewhere. And so I think that's kind of what's led me um, to that spot. Um, I think I think it's it's great seeing those uh, uh, relationships that were formed in college still transition to post college and allows you to be part of that welcome ministry and you know breaking that mold a little bit, right? How has serving that ministry been for you so far? I know it's only been a couple months, but uh, is it pretty much what you expected, or is there any unexpected outcomes? Or yeah, I think one thing that's kind of taken me by surprise about the welcoming ministry is that I've gotten to really experience what it means to be a connected church. Mm. I think obviously, you know, I've experienced serving in college, but they're all your peers. They're people around your age. It's all people that you kind of already know. But with the welcoming ministry, you know, you have other people of all ages, whether they're serving or you're welcoming them. So you get to experience, you know, both sides from the inside and the outside. You get to experience all ages, you know, different groups of people. You get to say hi, you get to interact with all these people. And I think it just made me realize kind of that this church, this body is more than just, you know, my small group of friends is that, you know, we have those core values. We have the connected church as being mm-hmm. one of our mm-hmm. core values. Hope I get some bonus points from wow, that. Yeah. For mentioning love that. you. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so knowing that kind of, but knowing that in my head was different from actually seeing it serving. You know, there was this one thing where I think I remember the deacons would try out uh, helping out at the different ministries. And, you know, this was my first time interacting with any deacon at our church. Um, and so, and the leader of the welcoming ministry, like Deacon Pat, mm-hmm. um, being able to interact with him, you know, for the first time, being just an attender before, uh, but actually serving in this capacity just gives me, gave me a bigger opportunity to just interact with more people in our church. And I got to see kind of um, how our church can be connected in this way and how we can kind of break out of the bubble there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know you were saying you are a very shy person, right? So you know, being part of welcoming ministry, that is kind of a huge step to take personally in terms of things that you're good at even, right? So how do you think you develop those skills or do you think it was actually kind of quick and just kind of came to you and you didn't even realize it? Um, I still think I'm a pretty shy person. I often don't know what to say if I'm talking to someone new. It's like, oh, hey, where are you from? Like, uh, how's the weather outside? It'll be, you know, very shallow. And it's very unnatural for me to be super open with these people, be, you know, put on a smile on my face and, you know, say hello and all these things. But I think through just kind of pushing yourself to do it, you do develop a certain type of discipline um, and you are able to push past your discomforts. And I think also, you know, serving and kind of being plugged into the church also makes that seem like now you have kind of your roots in place and now you're ready to kind of extend further. Um, Before, when I was not, uh, when I didn't feel like I was as plugged in, maybe because I was in and out because of school, I didn't feel like maybe I had uh, the right to invite people. Like, who am I? I'm not even part of this church that, you know, I, how am I supposed to welcome people in if I'm not even part of this church? But I think really getting plugged in, finding community here has helped me um, serve and also serving in and of itself has gotten me plugged in. So it was almost kind of, I don't know how to say, it, it's almost circular reasoning, but sure. I think <laughs> yeah. somehow, you know, through it all, I've gotten better 
um, through serving. Speaking to, uh, I guess, the leadership a little bit, I, I know your Pastor IJ is the, the pastor GCF, right? So how do you think his influence helped you along in your path uh, within GCF and then kind of, you know, post GCF? Oh, man, Pastor IJ, I have nothing but respect for that guy. You know, I, I can't say I agreed with everything, how he led his ministry or all the, you know, religious doctrines that he would preach or everything, but he's been doing this for, I don't know how long, like 20 something years, maybe even longer. And he's gone through, who knows, he's gone through peak code. He's gone through uh, who knows what happened, you know, before I got there, he's gone through everything and just his steadfastness through it all. I think it was something that I just came to really respect and just being able to really appreciate through it all. And just kind of reminded me that, you know, God is still working in this ministry, you know, I, you feel so important sometimes mm-hmm. when you're, you know, in leadership or you're doing all these things for GCF, but you realize that in four years out, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be for, like right. forgotten. Like no one's going to know who you are maybe. And then, you know, next four years, the new class doesn't even know who you are. So it's just, it seems like a very transient thing um, in the end. But I realized that through it all, those four years of my life, you know, God worked through that and God worked through those four years. And even though I'm not part of it now, I can look back and I can see how God's been working through Pastor IJ. Sure. I can see how he's been working through the ministry and something that I can look back on and not look at it with like bitterness or regret, right. but something that, wow, this was something that um, God really put in my life to build me up for in that season. And so even though it doesn't affect me as much anymore, whatever's happening in GCF, you know, I don't even know who the students are in GCF anymore mm-hmm. sometimes, but just knowing that it had its place in time and God's still working through those students now through Pastor IJ, I think just gives me encouragement and I know that they need prayer and support as well. So I'm always able to kind of think about that, able to pray for them as well. Yeah, definitely. I know you went down to <clears throat> Charlottesville UVA the past week or so, right? Did you feel any that transience? Did you feel like you're like kind of now you actually graduate, you know, you're, you're gone from campus <laughs> yeah, now. Everywhere we went, my friends and I would ask, do you think people think we're still like undergrad? Do you think they know <laughs> we're like older, like because oh, oh, we went to one of the, the school gyms down there just you know play basketball a little bit uh to like exercise and so we were just very conscious of like oh like i wonder if they think we're students and whatever but um i think it just really shows you that life goes on you know in gcf in college and you know we move on from it it seems so important back then and, and it was at that time but you realize that you know you're just kind of um we we're kind of very present people. We we see what's in the present. We get impacted by most what's in the present here. We experience what's in the present, and I think it just makes me realize that I had all those fond memories back then, and I look I can look back at them very fondly. And I'm a pretty sentimental person too, so I feel like I get kind of sad sometimes thinking about all the fun memories that I had. Um, but I guess how to move on from that is you can't always just hold on to those memories. But uh, hopefully we can just make more good memories in the future. So that's kind of what you look forward to sure disregarding what you just said about how you don't want to hold on to them what is one thing you do hold on to for your college time that you kind of like miss and and wish that or not wish that you could experience again but like you know long for or appreciate we were so i don't know i don't want to say stupid but like <laughs> we did not like everything was spontaneous you know yeah, everything was just, you know, hey, who wants to hang out today? You know, now people live from, yeah. you know, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't even want to drive from Centerville to Fairfax. And that's like <laughs> 15 minutes. But um, like in college, everybody was so close together, sure. you know, and, you know, the access that you have to everybody, just the freedom from kind of what like a, a structured, you know, the work schedule that's now just kind of 
um, what it was back in college. You know, I, I just have the stupid memory of, you know, when I was back in college uh, living in a house, we set up this, you know, small Christmas tree for Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And by the time Christmas was over, <laughs> we were all so lazy and no one ever tore that thing down until we graduated like two years <laughs> later. So we had some Christmas tree shedding leaves like for two years in the corner of our apartment just the whole time. And I just think back at that. I'm like, wow, that was so like college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like these guys have no responsibilities. These guys right. are just keeping the Christmas tree up in a corner until the middle of the summer. And so that was just something I look back on. I'm like, that was pretty college. That was a fun thing that I look back on. Do you think so now that I'm sure you still try to be pretty spontaneous just because it's, you know, coming because that's something that you really enjoyed. Um, have you found any comfort in the organized now uh is that something you've been trying like have been able to appreciate more now that um you know you kind of have have to almost or is it something that you do wish you could just continuously be be spontaneous i guess i do like being spontaneous because i'm a kind of a poor planner i guess i just (laughs) you know spring things on Uh, people last minute you know procrastinate you know so i you know i'm like oh i'm just spontaneous but in reality i'm just kind of a poor planner Um, but you know, the organized work life, you know, I've only been in it for, I guess I've almost worked for two years, so I can't say I'm like an experienced veteran or anything, but I think it just, for me, it keeps me a lot more accountable for certain things. Um, I think, you know, like I said, if you plan something to do something, if you plan to meet up with some like group or some person, you know, on a week or monthly basis, that's just something that kind of stays, um, so organized. It, it kind of keeps you within that rhythm of things. And so, you know, talking about COVID again, I know we're tired of that mm. topic. I think that really threw me for a, a really tough time because of the lack of organization and schedule there. Uh, I'm sure it did for a lot of other people, but just the the lack of structure there really made it difficult for me to keep myself accountable for certain things. And I don't sure. want to use this as an excuse, you know, like, oh, like COVID made me do all these things. But I think it really just uh, amplified my my poor kind of planning skills that not have that structure. So I think the organized life does have its benefits, which, you know, help me kind of be able to keep myself uh, accountable, accountable for certain right. things. But, you know, I still love being spontaneous. Right. Yeah, love spontaneous definitely. things. And you still can, for sure. It's just, <laughs> sure, it just yeah, looks yeah. different, I'm sure, now with people, again, having to drive 20 minutes to get wherever. Uh, but going, actually talking about that, re- entering into post-grad, do you think, how do you think that transition was for you um, and yeah, what maybe unexpected outcomes did you, did you get from that too? I mean, I guess pre pandemic time, no one expected to be working from home. True. That was, you know, we were all getting ready for the office life. We we're like, ah, man, it's gonna, it's gonna have not be great commuting all this time. It's not going to be great. And then, you know, we realized that we're going to be working from home for, you know, however long that we need to be. And so I think that was one thing. Uh, about that transition that made it actually pretty easy to slack off in a lot of things as well. I'm just always being at home, um, just not being able to, uh, you know, go out and being holed up inside your house, I think made it really easy to, um, you know, live life for yourself and for yourself only. Um, just the lack of interaction you have with other people, you know, church is online, small group is online. It's easy to really brush those things off because you're just at home all the time. So it just feels like one big blob of time. And I think, you know, with all the craziness from graduation all the way to the start of our, you know, professional life, it was just one big blur. So it was really easy to just get lost and everything and just go through all the motions. And so I think that was one thing that I struggled with is just how do I, you know, what do I do with this lack of organization? How do I 
pushed myself to be disciplined in these certain areas. And that's, you know, something that I was working through. I'm not perfect at now, obviously, but something that I have learned to get better at as I guess we've experienced this pandemic altogether. How did you maintain your connections from college, you know, going to that post-grad and, you know, coming back to Career Central even, you know, all virtual, I'm sure it was difficult to make new connections. So how was that experience for you? I think I had a very fortunate experience in terms of going to an in-state school where a lot of uh, alumni and all the, also other students would also attend CCPC. Um, so a lot of my closer brothers, they also attend CCPC. And it was actually fairly easy to kind of um, get back into the swing of church. You know, we'd all sign up for the same services when, you know, we still had to sign up to come in sometimes because of the COVID restrictions. So we'd all sign up on the same days. We'd all come together and we'd be able to see each other then. And so I think that was something that we all had um, very uh, a fortunate experience in. But I will say, I remember when I had to sign up for a Bridges CG uh, and we had to go to these Bridges event. I, I will say I did feel a little bit intimidated because like I said, I was shy. I was not sure how I was going to uh, be able to get plugged into this new environment per se. Um, but I think just getting plugged into a CG, uh, my CG leader at the time, I think it was Yuna Kang, uh, she was able to really kind of keep it an open environment. I also knew some people in my CG from UVA, so that also made it a lot easier uh, to get plugged in there. But I guess being able to be in a smaller group setting and just being able to kind of get plugged in through that way and getting introduced to more people that way, I think helped me uh, overcome that transition from postgrad um, or from college to postgrad. And obviously keeping the my brothers by my side who also go to CCPC has also been helpful when we, you know, are able to see each other and keep each other accountable for certain things. And, you know, one of my close friends, if you know Nick Kim, he got married, you know, shortly yeah. after he graduated, you know, yeah. that guy, like, congrats to him, you know, yeah. like, that guy was, you know, right at the gate, like, he was ready to get married. And so, <laughs> that was, uh, he, yeah, so, you know, seeing him, being able to celebrate that with him, you know, celebrate his wedding and everything was also kind of something that I think brought us all together in those moments um, to be able to kind of help push past those times. So final question, John, and this is about your spiritual walk. I, I, I wanted to ask you, who is someone who has heavily influenced you in your own Christian walk? Maybe the most, maybe just someone who's very notable in your life. Um, someone who, you know, helped you along to where you are today, you know, who helped grow you. If my small group leaders from college are listening to this, you know, Andy Hahn and Alexander, I know they're like, oh, he's going to say, I hope he says me or something. No, it's not you guys. It's not, <laughs> it's not going to be you guys. I mean, you guys were good too, but and through all my small group leaders throughout college. But I think if I really have to boil it down to it, it would be my parents. Mm. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because we don't talk about our faith nearly as much as I think we, we could, um, you know, around the different table, you know. We are either talking about, you know, just shallow things throughout our day or we're just watching something, you know, that us propped up on a laptop or something that we're watching together. And so we don't really always talk about the, the gritty. We don't talk about like theological debates over the sure. dinner table. You know, we're not that type of family. And um, but the thing is, like, my parents have faithfully gone to church for my whole life. Um, even, you know, we, we go to different. My parents don't go to CCPC. They go to a more Korean uh, church. And so even though I haven't gone to a church with them for quite a long time now, just their dedication to the faith. And more importantly, I think the, how they live out their faith, you know, I think they've just sacrificed so much for me and just the people that I, they interact with. They're always willing to sacrifice so much. And I really see that, you know, 
influencing my life too. You know, I always hear my dad's voice in my head and he's like, he always used to tell me like, try to do the things that other people don't want to do, you know, pick up the dirty work and things like that. And so, you know, it's not, that's not necessarily like a, a quote unquote Christian perspective, you know, mm. but I mean, paired with his faith, it's easy to see where that comes from. And so sure. I think seeing that has really, you know, shaped me to kind of be the person that I, I am able to say that, you know, I, I do believe in, in Christ and I feel like I, I'm trying to live my life for him. And so I think a lot of that has been, you know, my parents pushing me uh, through that. And there's a lot of things that, you know, they pushed me to. I hated when I was little. I was like, oh, why do I need to do this and everything? But, you know, I've come to appreciate throughout the years. Uh, something, not everything. I look back at certain things. I'm like, oh, I don't know why I did that, you know, but there's still, you know, I am able to appreciate their parenting. And, you know, they've done so much for me. And I know that, you know, them sacrificing, you know, their life for me and everything that they've done for me has come out of, you know, their love for me and their love for Christ. And so I think that's something that uh, influenced me uh, throughout my life. Awesome. Thank you, John, for coming on to podcast with us. Uh, you answered some great questions and I, I may have thrown you a couple of hardballs there, but you knocked them out of the park. So thank you again, John. I, I hope you enjoyed your time here. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll see you at the welcoming table. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Eric.